Hi, this is Tim Akasey from Atlanta, and this podcast is dedicated to better understanding how people who stutter can remember very specific words, sounds, and situations in which they stuttered, sometimes decades later. And then in turn, how a person who stutters can anticipate stuttering. Minutes before, hours before, days before, months before a particular event where they fear stuttering. Remember, people who stutter develop state anxiety, social anxiety, the fear of stuttering. It's almost as though we create movies. We can run a movie of what we think happened when we stuttered, what people thought, their reaction. Did they find out I stutter? And we can run movies. What if I stutter? What if I'm asked to read in a wedding and I stutter? What would that be like? What will the groom think if he invited me? And so forth. If you stutter, you know about these movies. If you do therapy, you hear the movies from your clients. This is what I call the cinema of the mind. We create movies, past and future, about the outcome of stuttering. What if I stutter? It reminds me of a story. A young attorney goes to work for a firm with six partners. The eldest partner in the firm, apparently when my client would stutter, the eldest partner would look down at the table and roll his pen on the table and then remake eye contact when the person who stutters stops stuttering. So this young attorney with a stutter was convinced the partner is talking about being behind my back with other partners. He's concerned about, can I appear in court, a deposition? Do I reflect well on the firm with my stutter? Seemed like every meeting, this same gentleman would look down at the table and roll his pen during stuttering. We've been working very hard on phone calling. This young attorney had a lot of concerns about stuttering on the telephone. And he had had a pretty good week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It was late Thursday, and his phone rings. He looks down, and he sees the partner's name. Within one quarter of one second, he evaluated danger. Don't stutter. As he picked up the phone, he had a big speech block. When he got done calling, he put the phone down and once again ran his movie. The partner heard me stutter. It's a red flag. I won't become a partner and everything that was in his stutter movie. And make sure you take note that a human being who stutters can look at a telephone and in one quarter of one second evaluate, don't stutter just by seeing the name of the person. That's what happened. I would like to tell you that that young man did become a partner in that very law firm. It's a true story. So there's five major points I want to stress in this podcast. One, scientifically, how are these very specific fears formed in the mind and body? Two, how memory works, particularly memory associated with trauma. Three, what is panic and dissociation in the body? How does it play into stuttering? Four, why speech techniques and speech targets often fail. Five is future directions for best practices for speech therapy for stuttering. 
I hope most of you have read some of the writings of John Harrison. John Harrison is a person who stutters, a great writer. One of my favorite things he ever wrote was the anatomy of the speech block. He talked about going into a business and imagining that the person who worked in the business would judge his stutter. And the act of imagining what the store clerk would think and customers that could hear it resulted in a speech block. So the cinema of the mind is something that John understood decades ago. Let's look at how the brain operates in respect to fear, anxiety, the fight-or-flight response. When someone experiences a stressful event, the amygdala, an area of the brain that contributes to emotional processing, sends a distress signal to the hypothalamus. This area of the brain functions like a command center communicating with the rest of the body through the nervous system so that the person has the energy to fight or flee, a.k.a. the fight-or-flight response. The hypothalamus is a bit like a command center. This area of the brain communicates with the rest of the body through the autonomic nervous system, which controls such involuntary body functions, such as breathing, blood pressure, heartbeat, and the dilation or constriction of key blood vessels and small airways in the lungs called bronchioles. The autonomic nervous system has two components, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. The sympathetic functions like a gas pedal in a car. It triggers the fight-or-flight response, providing the body with a burst of energy so it can respond to perceived dangers. I'll stress perceived dangers. So if a person who stutters perceives danger, like they're going into an interview and they don't want to stutter, that's a perceived danger. The parasympathetic acts like a break. It promotes the rest and digest response that calms the body down after the danger has passed. So the sympathetic is like the gas pedal, the panic, getting ready for fight or flight. The parasympathetic creates the rest and digest, eventually calming you down. What if a person who stutters felt anxiety before a phone call, before a meeting, and learned some CBT techniques, reducing the anxiety, performing well, and never having to employ the parasympathetic? Yes, that's possible. That's something that I learned how to do. So it's something that we can do. I encourage you to read a couple things. Look at the book called Remembering Trauma by McNally in 03. And then investigate how our bodies remember trauma. And I emphasize body, not just mind, because we have something called our soma. Soma means of body. It's the area between your stomach and your larynx. And people who stutter will tell you that they feel anxiety in their soma. I have done therapy where I've asked people to reflect back on stuttering events 5, 10, 15, 20 plus years 
when they associate into the memory, they still feel it. Imagine feeling a memory that's that old. However, if you don't stutter, I want you to consider a time in the past where somebody hurt your feelings, they offended you, they said something about you that bothered you. In a seminar with 230 people in the audience, I did a show of hands and I asked people to do that and they reflected back 5, 10, 15. A person reported in front of our group that they felt a memory that was 30 years old when somebody insulted them in a meeting and they still were upset about it. That's remarkable, but we have to understand somatic memory, that you can feel a stuttering event. So let's pretend I'm going through a drive through window and I've had difficulty with stuttering at drive throughs And now I have some people in the car who will be my listeners plus the person in the business. So everyone's going to hear me and I feel it in my soma. My unconscious mind is going backwards and forwards simultaneously. That's somatic memory. It helps explain how somebody would feel a stutter on their first name. Maybe a 40-year-old adult who's been saying his name since age three still feels fear about his name at age 40. We must understand how this works. And the degree of anxiety in the body can make the targeter technique hapless, where you just can't use your targeter technique because of the degree of fear of stuttering. I want to teach you an expression called the three Ps, where we punctuate, personalize, it becomes pervasive. Classic example of stuttering on my name. Let's pretend my name is Matthew, and I've been stuttering on it since a child. Maybe some people have copied me, laughed at me, asked me why I can't say my name. And I start avoiding it. So I punctuate the stuttering on my name with feelings, with sentiment. I personalize it. I should be able to say it. Everyone can say their name. People think there's something wrong with me. Then it becomes pervasive. So it's classic for adults who stutter to have very specific words. Now remember speech anatomy, the tongue, lips, and voice create your sounds. And should Matthew be harder than Nathan or Tim be easier than Chase? If I fear stuttering on them, I make them more difficult. That's how it works. You meet enough people who stutter, one person will give you a list of specific words and sounds. The next will give you a different one. Some will say, if I read out loud, it's a slam dunk. It's really easy. The next person says, if I read out loud, it's horrible because I can't change my words. And that, that would have been me in undergraduate school. I, if I had to read out loud, I would still leave classrooms in college. Another thing for us to look at is What's it like for a person who stutters to see other people stutter? Do you remember the King's speech at the end of 2011? It won four awards at the Academy Awards. It also won some Golden Globes, Screen Actor Guild. But it's interesting because 
I was talking to a lot of people about the King's speech. There was a group of people who would not go watch it because they refused to watch a person stutter through the movie. Another group said, I did watch it, but I was uncomfortable. Some even said they turned it off because they kept watching the king stutter and they couldn't tolerate it. Now, mind you, that was fake stuttering. It wasn't even authentic stuttering. But if you project, if I have, if I have feelings in my mind and body about stuttering, I project it through the character. And then I'm uncomfortable. I've been involved in support groups now for 30 years. And I know firsthand from interviewing people who stutter, before I was a therapist and now during, that some people are uncomfortable going to support groups because they're uncomfortable seeing someone else stutter. Forcing them to go is not necessarily the right medicine. It's rather finding out what is it like for you to witness someone stutter? What do you believe about it? What does it mean to you? Those are better questions. Some people go to support group meetings and they feel better about themselves and stutter less when they compare self to other, a classic term from psychology, comparing self to other. Another person gets into a group, witnesses someone stutter, and they're overwhelmed, and they might not come back. So support groups are not one size fits all. However, in the end, it's good for a person who stutters to be able to witness someone else stutter, feel compassion for the individual stutters, yet prevent the projection that my thoughts and feelings about my stuttering are projected through someone else. A great movie for you to watch is When I Stutter. It came out in 2017. Fantastic movie. 19 adults who stutter are interviewed about their childhood stuttering and how they're doing now as adults. Watch that as soon as you can. Remember that memories, if there's trauma like embarrassment, bullying, shame those memories are stronger, scientifically proven. Um, we all know about PTSD, for example, right? Memory has to be refreshed. It's a scientific fact. So let's pretend I'm 40 years old and I've been stuttering on my name since age five. The memories get refreshed. It's kind of like this. If you have a friend who you have e emailed with for years, when you put, when you do a search in your emails, every email with that friend will populate. Memories of stuttering on my name are humiliating. There's sentiment in there. Sometimes I was teased. And so there's a whole line, if you will, um, almost like a PowerPoint show of stuttering events on my name. So now it's 2020. If I fear my name, I have to go around the room and say my name in front of an audience. Many of those memories will populate like a search engine, and it can happen in a millisecond. That's how powerful the mind is, unfortunately, in this, in this case.
and then I get the feeling in my soma, and then I get what's what they call dissociated. Dissociation is my body is in the room, but my mind has left the room. My mind is going back to previous stuttering events. I'm nervous right now as it comes closer to me. I'm, my anxiety is building and building and building. I'm running a future movie that if I have a big stutter here, everyone's going to find out I stutter, and some people will think I'm awkward or different, and they might not want to socialize with me. This phenomenon causes a lot of young people in college to have difficulty. They were at a certain place with their stuttering in high school. I don't want to say a comfort zone because they go to college and brand new listeners going around the dormitory saying their name, the name of their high school, maybe rushing a fraternity or sorority, small group discussions. And a lot of times that provokes trouble for these young people where there's brand new listeners. They would prefer not, the, not to have the world find out they stutter and so forth and so on. So a lot of kids have difficulty going to college with a stutter. There's something really cool called timeline therapy. And I welcome you to look up the book by Tad James on timeline therapy. Because there's actually a way to help people go back on their timeline and discover the origins of this stuff and help to what I call edit and delete some of these events that were so harmful. Otherwise, they come back to get you like a pop-up on the computer. I'm about to interview. They ask me my name and what college I went to. And it's like a pop-up on your computer where you the anxiety just appears because it's latent, it's there, it's in your memory, it's in your soma. Okay? People who stutter, it's almost they like they have an encrypted YouTube channel where their memories of stuttering are oftentimes only known to them. They're encrypted. Others don't know all of their memories of stuttering. And the person who stars will open them and watch them unwittingly. Memory has to be refreshed. Um, did you know that a child cannot be a witness in a courtroom till age four? The reason is, is that language hasn't developed enough for memory to be stable. But after age four, a child could be witness in a courtroom. Children who stutter around age six, seven, eight, their memory is becoming quite good where they can remember a stuttering event and then they can do the three Ps, personalize, sorry, punctuate, personalize, and make it pervasive. So let's pretend there's a kid who's in third grade and they're reading out loud and they stutter and some kids snicker at them or fill in their words or some way embarrass them. This third grader who might be only eight years old can remember that stuttering event because of the traumatic features. And that's very personal, folks. Somebody could say, oh, it's not that big of a deal. They're your friends or on your soccer team. Mm -mm, no. People who stutter have different temperaments. Some temperaments are very sensitive. 
that they do pick up on facial expressions and they words and actions and bullying and teasing are very harmful. So we have to understand that. And you have to acknowledge those thoughts and feelings of the person who stutters. Coming to the failure of speech targets and speech techniques. I once helped a PhD in chemistry from one of the best engineering schools in the nation. And he had been to a program on the East Coast three times to learn targets. Amplitude contour, easy onset, all this breathing stuff. So here he is. He's a PhD. Very, very smart man. When he needed his techniques and targets the most, they weren't there for him. Important meetings, discussions, negotiations, going to a plant. He would uh, inspect plants. Um, so what kept the targets and techniques from working? The guy's a genius. Because he anticipated stuttering on very specific sounds and words, and that came from his timeline. So the degree of anxiety you have immediately before you say the word can make a target or technique without any benefit. It's, it's overwhelmed is what I'm trying to say. You have such a fear of stuttering that it overwhelms your ability to use the technique. Let's pretend my first name is Matthew and I've stuttered on it and I feared it for a long time. And I have to say it in front of an audience. And unfortunately, I take a deep breath and push the word and create my block. I had learned I was supposed to place my lips together and use an easy onset, Matthew. But I was overwhelmed in the moment. Some parents will say, my daughter's not trying enough. Actually, ma'am, your daughter was overwhelmed. The anxiety before the stutter was too much for her. People who stutter develop anxiety. So, using CBT to reframe thoughts is a critical part of speech therapy so that the body, the soma, the chest, the larynx are more relaxed making it easier to execute things like easy onsets and light contacts. So future directions is better understanding the cinema of the mind, how people who stutter remember past events, how they anticipate future events, and how CBT is an absolutely critical part of their treatment. Unfortunately, a lot of times, stuttering treatment is just done in the mouth, easy onsets, light contacts. But anyone listening to this that's done a lot of speech therapy, or if you're a person who stutters, you understand the breakdown. So I want to wish you well, and thank you for listening.